Hi, this is Aaron Harris. And I'm David Monters with the Star Wars Reactions Podcast. And you are listening to the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Great pull, kid. I hope you're still paying attention because now I'm going to tell you the most important... You've seen the show, and like us, you have questions. Ooh, that was a good one, but try this one on for size. No question should be left off your list. Whoa, 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 I got a crazy theory, but hear me out. But you better have some spares. Oh, that was one of mine. All right, let's do this instead. With me, as always, is my friend and Card Squadron winger. This is Greg Cass, a.k.a. Ion Cannon. We've recorded at home and across the U.S., Last summer, we were from the Boston Common. This week, we're in Chicago. This is day three of celebration. The show has had many names, but the purpose is the same. Let's share some time at the table. Ding, ding, it's time for breakfast. Welcome to The Breakfast Pack, a Rebel Base Card micro podcast series. A returning Star Wars insert series podcast that asks more questions than it answers. Today on Breakfast Pack number 55, we are asking questions on Mandalorian Season 3, The Spies, which premiered on Disney Plus on Wednesday, April 12th, with Greg Cass attending more furnace-related matters, and trust me, I saw a table with many, many furnace parts on it, Uh, our best wishes for a speedy recovery of the uh, what makes the uh, Cass household run. Um, So, I called in a couple of favors. And brought you, well, basically part two of the recent Colby cast. Um, our friend Ross Holliban, disco leader himself from the album Cockpit Podcast and Fanta Tracks, he's pop star indie on Instagram. Ross, kind of a slow news week, right? Oh, yeah. Not, not much going on at all. Haven't been just scouring everything possible, but we'll make do. I, we'll do as best we can, right? Um, all righty. But we also have... Tom Gross from Teachers in the Dungeon and occasionally CWK Power Over. Uh, Tom, have you recovered from GaryCon? <laughs> that does take time. That does take time. That's hours and hours of gaming. So, yes, actually, I have because I had a spring break in between GaryCon and today. So, actually, I'm doing pretty good. Thanks. Glad to be on. Excellent. And since we basically have Disco Leader. And Dungeon Leader, I think we're going to call this Discos and Dungeons tonight uh, instead of the Breakfast Pack. I think that's a much better way to to handle this. However, comma, this is an insert series podcast in the regular feed where Tom Ross and I will trade questions with each other that we have not talked about before, which is pretty easy because the darn thing premiered just a few hours ago, really, if you think about it. Uh, but there is, of course, a chance we could take another's question. So you better have some spares or a good way to... Uh, Kind of dance around it. Um, Since we are talking about a current series of Star Wars that's hot off the press, if you haven't seen the episode in question, this is your only warning that there's going to be spoilers for these shows. If you haven't watched yet, I'm going to invite you to please come back and listen after you've watched. And since we kind of have a full house again tonight, I'm going to dispense with the Greg's list this week because basically I had one of the shows that was going to be on my Greg's list, which was the Colby cast. So I have something better than the Greg's List. I have the actual people from that, with the exception of Colby. But I do want to say this, Ross, and I'll start with you. Your thoughts on tonight's episode, kind of before we get started. It it went where I was hoping it would go, especially after, you know, I enjoyed last week's episode. I know that it was divisive to some people. 
I had a lot of fun with it, but I like to get that mixed in. This got real and this brought us back, you know, super bad guy up up levels of what he'd been doing before. So that's super exciting. Definitely enjoyed it. Worth waking up early and enjoying the coffee before teaching this morning and just I'm so excited for the next episode because of this one. Tom, what did you think of today's episode? I know it's pretty fresh in your mind. It is. I don't have, I, I could take the time before school, but I, I don't want to be amped up and just think about that <laughs> all day long. So instead, I, I fret about it all day thinking, I wish I would have watched it this morning. I wish I would watched it this morning. <laughs> so yes, indeed, I have just watched it. It is fresh off, fresh off the press for me. And um, wow, you know what? I, I, there's not a whole lot more to say than what Ross just said, except this. With the excitement of watching the Celebration live stage and the cast members this last weekend uh, repeatedly saying, there is so much still to be done. And there's only two episodes. I think it was Katie Sackoff that like just was like raving like, I don't know how they're going to get this whole story into these next two episodes. And so I was expecting something that was going to move quickly and really just get down to business. And that's exactly what this one did. And uh, and so the second thing I would say about this episode and my uh, just my initial reactions are uh, this for me, this episode answers so many questions I've had for uh, and some of them for a very, very long time. Really enjoyed it. And with you, Ross, can't wait for next week. It can't come fast enough. Yes. Um, I would say, you know, it got to, you get down there and I, I love what they're doing with Mandalore. I, I like the, the crew. They they moved along like, like you, Ross. I was pretty happy with last week and I was a little surprised uh, with some of the reactions, but that's one of the reasons why I do like listening to a lot of different different podcasts because you kind of get that that temperature gauge of where everybody's heads is and what they're kind of looking for. Um, but I would say that you're left after this episode, it could go so many different places. And I kind of like that because I think, you know, when you've, I don't care whether you've really been around the fandom, you know, like this year or you've been around 40 years or so forth, you love surprises. You know, you, you, you see, you, you watch this stuff over and over again, and it's so much fun when you don't really know what's going to happen. And you're just like, all right, I'm, I'm open for it. Let me know. And then, you know, what, I'm, what you're also hoping for is that I can watch it on something other than my phone later. I want to see it. I want to see this again on the big screen. Something we've kind of mentioned before. All right. Disco Leader, I am going to start off with you. What is your first question for the three of us? All right. So first I'll ask, how many Ugnots are helping Dr. Cass put his <laughs> thing back together in the basement? How many and Ugnots I, does it change? I, I, ho I hope we get footage of that. But the more serious question moving into the next one, what else has Luke Skywalker taught Grogu? Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so is this open? Do we just jump in, dive in? Go for it, man. Got it. Well, okay. So this is where I had, this is where I actually <laughs> kind of thought of that. 
when there's the tussle on the skiff and one faction of Mandalorian is fighting the other faction, the two former leaders of those uh, fat warriors of those uh, factions after their little chess game they're playing and they have the disagreement. And we know what, we know the tradition, the Mandalorian tradition of, of the fight. It's fight till either defeat or death, I suppose. So it was an and, and, you know, Din Djarin says to, uh, to Bo-Katan, should I step in? And she's, you know, she's like, no, we, we, we knew this would happen. It's how shocking it was as the two, you know, they tussle, they're, one's down, the other's down, one's down, the other's down. And I felt like, and you're going to have to help me with the names. I didn't write the names down. It's, it's uh, Paz Vizsla. Paz Vizsla. And who's the other one? Axe-Wolves. Axe-Wolves. I knew Wolves was in there. Okay. Axe-Wolves, to me, seem to be struggling a bit more. Has the skill, but doesn't have the strength that Paz Vizsla has. So they come back again, and it's a close-up shot of you're expecting a collision. Nope. There's IG-12's hands pushing them back. And it was right there that I that I thought of your of your question, Ross, about what has Luke Skywalker taught um, uh, Grogu. And I think, I think what he did to me in this instance, what he did is he took a natural nurturing side of Grogu. Because how many times did we see Grogu reach out when someone's injured? But it's always in the aftermath. You know, after something's happened, Grogu has this sympathy and wants to heal them, wants to be there for them. But here he steps in. And so I can only feel or think that Luke Skywalker through Jedi training has taught Grogu the, the art of um, oh, interjection is the word I want, but that's not what it is. It's, it's interceding, I think. The art of interceding and peacemaking because as we know, lots of our Jedi have their specialty. You know, Ezra has the specialty with with creatures, and, and we know Grogu has that as well. Um, but here's another specialty of Grogu, and that is that compassion and peacemaking. And so, I feel like somewhere in that training, there was a bit of that. One thing I think you probably you know saw that he probably could have used a little more training on his self-control, especially in the marketplace where there was not much that was holding Grogu back going, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat right now. Um, chowing down. I know. And he was just going to town and, you know, um, it's a lot of work running those IG 12 units, you know, like he had a lot of button pushing that he was doing. I feel like I want to answer the rest of this in either yes or no uh, responses. Yes. Yes. No, no. Um, it will be interesting to see if there was any, as far as like self-control, it'd be really interesting to see, you know, Grogu, if he would hold himself back. Because I think if he gets upset and, you know, of course, seeing Din Djarin taken away or, you know, being separated, I'll be real curious if Grogu can keep, you know, his emotions in check or if, you know, he can go, if he, you know, if he's going to get angry or how is he going to, you know, like, it'll, I think it'll be very interesting for the time that they're separated, whether it's through the episode or, or part of the episode, who's he going to communicate to and how is he going to do it? 
and, or will he just be kind of kept to the sidelines in, you know, I'm still trying to figure out how he got through that hole. But, you know, those are one of those things you kind of suspend the belief of. Um, and I guess the other the other question is, is that was it one of my questions is, um, are we to assume that all games of Mando chess end in combat after 12 turns in an argument? And which will you see first, the Black Series IG-12 or the Mando chess game, knowing that all we have are the pieces, the board, and at least three rules. Somebody's kickstarting that today as we speak. As um, they should. As they should. Someone's got this on their Etsy play page already. I know it. Um, but anyway, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm curious just about, you know, will he have taught? Will he have been taught about controlling his anger, controlling his emotions, and letting you know? Will the dark side get in because? he's genuinely probably going to be very afraid of what's going to happen at Injun. What do you think, Ross? I'm very curious right now, knowing that they can't contact anyone. So I believe it's Axe who escaped. So someone's right. out to put things out there. Has Grogu learned to connect with other Force Ooh. users? And will he be able to get a distress call out to someone? That doesn't necessarily mean a Jedi is coming. But could it also be the Jedi make someone else aware who's closer and can help? So that's the next thing, that connection with the Force. And, you know, it isn't violence for him. You know, it is, it's his quick movements. It's his ability to learn and pick things up quickly. You know, like think of Anakin and how great he was with a pod racer. You know, you're seeing this Anzellan who who built IG-12 struggle to move around and next thing you know grogu's i mean he might as well be going doing the olympics right now because <laughs> you know like you said even getting through that little hole he picked it up quickly um so i'm just excited again everything that he learns and shows is just such a joy and the look of terror on his face when dinjarin was captured I, like that is, that's like burned into my head right now what's the standing question greg sorry i got into ross's answer and i, <laughs> I missed the question <laughs> no that was i was answering my own right there so we're we're on to the next one so this is it, either greg or tom i guess coming up with the next one oh got you tom what's uh what's um, your first question so my first question um kind of goes to well let me just ask the question we we see as the skiff is going in search of the forge or heading to the forge, I guess it wasn't so much a search. They knew where it was. Um, they're heading to the forge and there is this great beast, giant beast that, that just obliterates the skiff and they all scatter. And that's how they get into their track of, of going underground. So my question is this, what is in season three, but we can talk about it here in the context of, of uh, episode uh, chapter 23, if we like, what is the significance of beasts in this season and potentially even in just this episode? Is there significance or is it just a affinity by these writers for creatures in uh, the Mandalorian? Hmm. I I might go with a little foreshadowing, even. You know, 
how disruptive these, you know, these massive creatures are, these forces of nature. We've got one sitting underneath all of them right now. And is this the, hey, you know what? That Now that it's been seen, like, yep, this happened to the Mandalorians on the beach. This happened to the Mandalorians here on top of Mandalore. Now it's not going to be so far-fetched if a certain mythosaur gets involved in this as, again, you have someone portraying a Mandalorian at this point and who wants to take over and, and redo who Mandalorians are. And if you believe in the way and you're following that, this mythosaur is ready to get rid of Moff Gideon and his approach so that Mandalore can become great once again. Yeah, if the if the mythos I cannot pronounce it. This is like the second show, Mythosaur. Um, heralds in a new age of Mandalore, just moving right along, moving right along, edit it right out later. Uh, it's much easier for that thing to usher in a new age of Mandalore if the Empire's right there in a stationary position. So you could, you know, as you know, kind of a uh, kind of a piggyback of the last question about, you know, can Grogu better communicate with creatures? And, you know, if this was like an RPG, we'd be like, I'm going to talk, I'm going to, you know, communicate with that beast and I'm going to make it do my bidding. You know, we haven't seen Grogu necessarily, you know, use it other than to calm things down, but it would be super cool if he was able to communicate uh, with the Mythosaur and then let it just turn loose or just, you know, say, come over here, why don't you come over here and there's a bunch of time over here you could have fun with. Um, And then that way, even if it, you know, perishes or whatever, but I'm, I am kind of curious if that's the point where these creatures just are just a build up to the big one, and uh, and that's gonna and that's gonna be you know whether it's this season or next season, it's really curious. All the stuff they're gonna have to maybe pack into next week, but it's kind of hard when you have like you know that there's a season four going. They yeah. they got their where, own. Where is it gonna cut off? Yeah. What do you think, Tom? Yeah. So up to this point, you know. My affinity for monsters, of course, is pretty high because I like to battle them in fantasy realms. And we know that Star Wars is nothing more than a science fiction fantasy. And so anytime I see creatures on the screen of a Star Wars story, I just I I love that. And I count them. You know, you've got the alligator, uh, the giant alligator in, you know, the opener. And then you have um, you have the, the raptor that comes that was just most excellent and then you have the mutant creatures and then you do have sort of this mythology of the mythosaur um and 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 you know and there are others including even a mech monster that is the tool in which din Djarin uses to hand the the dark saber over to an acceptable handover back to um, bo-katan so that her clan accepts that um, so it's it's a really nice story piece to drive certain ideas and things. And boy, I, I I really didn't when I asked this question, I did not expect the mythosaur to come up. And both of you really surprised me with that. And I did wonder if um if Grogu's Grogu's um 
uh, scene at the end of Boba Fett with the Rancor, if that does set us up for, and that, you know, and that's why so many creatures are in this story because Grogu is going to make some sort of a move. But the Mythosaur, yes, <laughs> look at that. The Mythosaur <laughs> is it was not where I was headed with that. So I, I think that's super <laughs> cool. I love that. Greg, I am what, going the, the, the captain. Fire um, away! What do, what do you got? I'm I'm excited. I love answering these. I love listening when you and Greg and Jen involved, and you know all the guests that you guys have. It's so fun to know what the next question's going to be. Hearing director Benick on here was super fun as well. So, what a great it, panel last week! Yeah, no, super fun, and again, just getting the different voices, and we all look at it different. So it's fun to hear the different questions coming from different people. Yeah, and I think you start to look forward, just like when we listen to you know a lot of podcasts, and you start to really look forward to hearing how someone's take is going to be, and you're so excited to get to hear that. And you know, this works because you just get smart people on, and you, smart and fun people, and it's so much fun uh, doing this. And and all I got to do is get out of the way. It's like, just make sure I keep looking. I'm going, please tell me I'm still recording. Yes, it's recording. This is all gold. <laughs> I, I I do want to bring in one of Greg's questions because Greg did. Uh, you know, it's funny. Like, you know, he I, I, I see pictures sometimes he'll, he'll be writing down his notes. And I keep thinking this is a big piece of paper. But I remember when we were in Chicago doing it, you know, Jen and, and Greg and I were doing that one from downtown Chicago. You know, it's like this little five by seven. I'm like, man, he crams a lot of stuff in, in that. But I liked this. I liked this question, and I wasn't. You know, it was interesting. And, he, and his first question, right off the bat, was, "What did you make of the name of the chapter title, The Spies?" And I don't know if I've got an answer for this. Um, I'll let the first per- person who uh, ha- has a good one. Maybe it's the guy with the Jets T-shirt. By the way, that's a that's a killer Jets T-shirt. By the way, uh, Ross, thank you. Um, or- Support for Joe Douglas and Chad Alexander, who. I've worked with with the Baltimore Ravens and they are top notch people. So even though I cheer primarily for the Colts, like it is if I had the opportunity to spend special time with you and see how, you know, talented and hardworking all these people are, I like to support everyone I can. So I'll give a a J.E.T.S. Jets, Jets, Jets Jets. or Joe, the GM and, and Chad also in scouting there. Awesome. What do you so make I this? like that, Greg. Greg, you 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 previewed that, that that you like to bring on the really smart people and fun people, and so I'm Ross. I'm tossing it to you because you're you're the smart, and I do my best to bring the fun. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's a promo right there. All right, so I have an idea, but I want to hear what you have to say. Where I went with this mm-hmm. is. So many. So we've got the Shadow Camp Council up front. Are any of those spies for Thrawn at this point? Mm. And are they feeding him information? So maybe Thrawn actually is there, but he's not revealing that he's there. So he may be just over this guy's shoulder, you know, enjoying some art, listening and being like, oh, I know what this guy's up to. So there's that chance. I think what I'm the most curious about right now, and I lost track of them during the battle, and hey, we're going to go to this place where this big monster is going to get our, our ship. 
uh, I'm going to lead you directly down to the forge and right near where this fight is happening. Does, does Moff Gideon, has he planted the pirate Mandalorians to infiltrate the Mandos that are joining in? Are those the spies? Mm. And now they've also been taken up to the fleet as well. So again, that may be completely wrong, but just as I try to look at different things and was coming up with questions, I was like, huh, what if? Ross, you've completely crushed my cubs hope that, that, that they are good, that they, are, they, that they were good and wanted to help and we're thankful that finally their leader has returned. Oh my goodness. Okay. I got to rethink that whole thing now but and you may be completely right I, like this is a this could be a reach for me but I, that's that's why i love this format so much and yeah you know we're saying hey maybe this could happen I, well it's probably wrong but you know what there's a chance was it gar paxson i mean hello yeah <laughs> it is it is what i was noticing it is it is plural and my answer doesn't really address that it's plural and my answer doesn't really go past the opening scene because we do have a spy very clearly in that opener and you guys i'm so bad with names you'll never have me on the show again greg Elia kane okay yes you know uh the the former communications director let's go there um she comes and She's on Coruscant and she makes her way to the dark alley and communicates information to, of course, Moff Gideon. I, it, I wasn't I wasn't surprised one bit when it was him that showed up. Um, I think they, you know, they they telegraphed that to us right away. But so you have a spy here and she gives, she, you know, she's giving she's giving information to him by seemingly by the potentially by the hour, by the day. I don't know. So here we have a spy, but it is plural. And so I'm, I've really racked my brain to think of where is the other spy? And I believe that's the question. And so Ross, you may, you may have hit the nail on the head and then again, you might swing and miss. But to me, after you said that, it's a legitimate possibility. Um, but that is the conundrum is who, where are the other spies? I think it's masterful. It's a great question first. So Mr. Greg, thank you so much. Uh, you said that's Greg Cass, right? <laughs> yeah. Greg, yeah. uh, Greg, Greg has the, uh, I'm going to, he's got a he great, he sent sheet. you a hollow. He sent me. Yes. He sent me a hollow. Sent you a hollow. Okay. Oh, that's good. Some good stuff. So, and so what great storytelling and mystery to us because they open with the spy and then they leave it hanging. So, but at the same time, I'm sitting here thinking what possibly worse could happen at this point that a, stop, a spy would be useful. So I'm going back with you, uh, Ross, that seems really legit. Yeah, I, I got to agree with you, Ross. I think that it, it makes sense. Maybe not the entire you know set of pirate mandos, but I think there's probably at least a plant because 
you know, all we've seen is that, you know, there are just different factions. I don't know what they were promised or whether it was just one working against their will. They looked pretty ragged. So I could, I could see a betrayal, and I think that would make a very nice very nice little nugget in the last one, you know, that, that Moff's got it all. And I, I, it's hard to believe that this something this big would be roaming the, roaming the planet with all those, with that huge Imperial base there without Moff Gideon knowing it. So, you know, I, I got a feeling, but I do agree also that in that Shadow Council, you know, at least two of them there were, you know, like, I, I was very surprised that not everybody was on board. They weren't necessarily in unison, and they all didn't seem to really buy into the fact that Thrawn was returning, which, you know, I was I was kind of shocked, but then I was like, this is even better. But I do think that Thrawn is, Thrawn is nearby. Um, I have other questions I'll save for that, but I do think that what we've seen, you know, like, especially with the, was it the, um, oh, shoot, they have this whole season, you know, they give you a title and it really means more than just one thing. So it doesn't surprise me that they're, you know, that, you know, like the convert and things like that, that there are multiple things you can read into it and they're very good at doing it. So why not? And sure, let's have one more surprise next week. Hmm. My up. Can we talk, can we talk a little bit about the shadow council? Is this breaking yeah. protocol? <laughs> Go because did does this Shadow Council make direct connections to the Aftermath series? Because there are certainly some names tossed out that link to not just the Aftermath series, but then also, I believe, link further down the line because there was a last name of um, Hux mentioned. Brendel Hux. I believe, I, I believe from the... the um, aftermath series that is his father yes yeah, yeah. so okay. that that is general hux's father and do you do you feel that the that the the woman commander who is very agreeable with moff gideon is that race loan i i don't think so but they didn't I don't think they. She never got gave a name. A unless name. I didn't watch the captions, so and I, I, guess I, I did watch the captions, and I don't, I don't think don't she believe was, she was mentioned she had a by name. name. But then Captain Pelion is from uh, heir to the Empire as one of Thrawn's lieutenants. So there's like this dual tie of what are they taking from Legends in the heir to the Empire trilogy? versus what are they taking from Aftermath versus what are they taking from Thrawn? So, and that's where it just like kind of, I'm so anxious already. Like it's still a week away. And I read already like nine know books that next this Tuesday summer. night. Yeah, I'm not going to sleep well <laughs> Tuesday night. And I already know it. See, this uh, is the only thing Greg, about Greg should be telling me. Greg should be telling me what I should be. Should I be reading the Aftermath? Should I start with Aftermath? Should I start with the the OG, Heir to the Empire? I, I, I bought it, never read it. Um, or do I need to get the, the new Thrawn trilogy? I, I forget. There's like four or five trilogies of Thrawn. I'm saying go go Aftermath. Uh, I'm actually going to... Uh, would be my vote, too. Based off of our uh, conversation earlier this week, Tom, I just put the... Uh, uh, return to to Neverwinter or whatever that prequel sure. book. I just put it away after this episode because so I was like, I have to go back to Aftermath right now. Fair, fair enough. Oh my god, 
And I'll, I'll, I'm be, I'll be like sitting over on my shelf. I'll be like, Greg, call me, call me, Greg. Whatever. What should I be reading? Hey, I've got a long, a nice long, you know, car ride to Nashville coming up next month. What audiobook should I have in my queue? Anyway, good doubt. Oh, oh you right. know what? Sorry. Since we're that was fun- a little detour. No, and I think I'm going to add on to that. Um, I'm, I'm going to go off script here. Is Commandant Commandant Hux in charge of the Shadow Council? He's shaking his no, head. No, and I think he showed that immediately because it was Pelion. So he was in control of the resources. Okay. But it was Pelion who gave him the nod to say, yes, you can send this to Gideon. All right. And he's a... He's a really interesting character from the book, uh, Hux. So it is, uh, mm. and I won't even go into anything more about him. It just, it, it's so wonderful, the path of his character and what you learn about other people associated with him uh, through it. And I don't want to give anything away because it's, it, it's great. Like by the time you're in that, that third aftermath book, like you're really invested. So. Absolutely. And I feel like the, the, the shadow council, this is part of why the, you know, the empire will eventually turn to, you know, a new sort of uh, direction is nobody is in play to take over. I mean, Thrawn, I suppose, but right now the shadow council, as we see it is it's all power brokers that are left over from, you know, fleets all around the galaxy. And we saw some have resources, some have uh, firepower, some have influence, some have good ideas. And so how is that all going to come together? Yeah. (laughs) Do, Do you think the moth that ran the commissary is still, it gets to be in the shadow council. It's like, I got the food. Hey, you want the you know, you know you want the eggs Benedict brother? You're gonna come yeah. to me. Trade me some uh, trade me some Tie Fighters, and I'll get you some uh, some non powdered eggs. How about that? That works. Better jokes are coming, I swear. Um, <laughs> all right. Do we have a, a, you know what? I, I'm sure we have a couple other questions on on that early part with the Shadow Council. You want to flesh a couple of those out? Or you got one, yeah. Ross? Um, I, I, I think the biggest thing there, to me, and this will be, I don't know, I'm gonna, I'm going to reach out to Mark Newbold to to go into a little bit more detail about this potentially for an article. Ron, to me, has an opportunity to get out of the Empire service if he's not aware, because everything that. He, he has promised in the books is that he will serve the emperor as long as he is doing what he's doing. And it's all to keep his people safe in the unknown regions. Mm-hmm. He, it is constant that he says that part of me. It's, I know it's not the case, but I'm always just like, cause I love Thrawn so much. I'm just like, huh, is he going to be the surprise good guy here? Ooh. Because he he's trying to protect his own world. He doesn't care about everyone. He only came out here to learn about things so that he could protect his home world. So to me, that's one of the biggest things with Thrawn right now is 
is there this chance? Because we still don't know. He just spent time with Ezra. Did they get on the same page about things even? Mm. So I, I don't know. Again, it is that it's probably my wishing world. Um, and it looks like Thrawn's being set up to be to be the big baddie here. Um, but could he be the guy that takes out Moff Gideon? Where is he coming we... after the New Republic? Yeah. yeah, that's that is phenomenal. And so my que- here's here's my question based on on that to build off of that is well, it's not really to build off of that. It's it's get, I need some information here. What where do we learn all? Because I know all of that about him. Like his top priority is always his people, but he uses the Empire. Um, to kind of gain power and to, to assure protection and all of that kind of thing. You know, he's he's a he's a smart guy. Do we learn that in Rebels or is that in a book someplace? I I can't remember where I learn all that. It, it's in the Thrawn book. So as he's his at his core, he is. I'm here to protect the Chiss ascendancy, mm-hmm. and that is his that is his primary goal. And as long as serving the Emperor allows that he's on board as soon as it goes against that so like now all of a sudden you've got the emperor out in the unknown regions doing things has he become the threat the bigger threat Hmm. to the chiss Mm -hmm. so that's where again just me overthinking things and being some it's it's like that meme where you see uh the woman on the one side of the bed looking angry saying i bet he's thinking about other women and then the guys on the other side looking worried and I'm thinking about Thrawn and what he's doing. <laughs> um, so a question I have that comes off of this era, this time, this shadow council um, discussion is project necromancer mm. has, has, has Gideon moved on from that or are we still seeing the, the um the evolution of project necromancer because based on that conversation my assumption and again i only saw it once so maybe there's more that there's something i missed project necromancer in my understanding was the whole thing with uh trying to get grogu's blood type and to create some sort of cloning and that's what uh that's where the story of um dr um persian Pershing, thank you. Dr. Pershing comes in. And so here's the other thing. Is that Dr. Pershing story like done? Was that whole episode just for this moment in this show to say done? That like we are finished with that aspect. And that's where my question comes from. So does that mean that he has moved on and Project Necromancer is done and now we're only looking at dark uh, troopers? I, I got, I got, I got a, th- I got a thread on that, but Ross, I see you smiling. <laughs> yeah. I, I, however we want to do this. Cause I mean, I see it as, uh, Gideon's doing his own thing. Like, and he's lying to the council right there. So what he's doing is com- in my mind is completely separate from necromancer, which is, I believe more of, how are we learning to clone appropriately so we can eventually get the emperor back so that Palpatine has a vessel that he can go in. Um, So if we're looking that far down the path, that's what I believe necromancer is. 
and that I don't believe that came anywhere from aftermath there there's different there's different plans in aftermath but I think this is one element of that and once this gets done they activate the next levels that we hear about in the books hmm I do believe that that Moff Gideon may have, you know, as far as using Grogu and the blood and so forth, that might he might consider that that a dead end. And I was I, I'd ready I'd be ready to go along with you, but it was the second time I watched it where you know like when he's going through that like you know um, you know that James Bond hallway with the lasers and the and and the troopers that you know God help me have shot to, yeah if, God help me they have to use the restroom. Um, but he walked past these tanks, and I'm like, what's in the tanks? Or should I say, who is in the tanks? Um, you know, Dark Troopers were, you know, like, if he says the next evolution of Dark Troopers is me, um, which I thought that's dead on. Um, but I, I do think, maybe think that part of that's a dead end, but that other factions are taking the lead or going into, you know, who knows? Maybe Doctor Hemlock is still running around somewhere. We don't know. Yeah. Um, but at least maybe with the Grogu part, he must have got what he needed. Otherwise, I don't think he would have taken Pershing off the board, or at least you know, you know, kept Pershing from helping anybody else. Well, and he could see Grogu through the blast door. Oh. So, and his concern was the dark saber still. So he <clears throat> he saw the asset. And True. was just like, great, you're running an IG unit now. You do what you need to do. I have what I need from all of these, from the cloners, from the Mandalorians, from the Jedi. I have what I need to create my soldiers. That I, like, it's his coup attempt, in my mind, yeah. of setting up the Shadow Council to say, you guys have no idea what's coming. Yeah, exactly. I think he was ready to move on and go, like, why can't I be? Why can't we look for new leadership? And the threat, again with the cats. Uh, sorry, I got distracted by the threat. Really? Oh, now I'm seeing pictures of Wampa. Sorry. Hi, Jen. Uh, at any rate. You'll, you'll hear this two days from now. Uh, at any rate. Mm. All right. Mm. Let's see. All I just would say before, there, there's a couple other questions I know that you, we, we have that are past this, but did, was anybody else surprised that there was so many Imperial remnants that they haven't challenged the New Republic already? Considering a lot of the New Republic fleet is gone. I, I, I just feel like they're so splintered that they can't get it together. Mm. And they don't want their preserve, you know, they have a sense of preservation, which is why they have a council, but they're splintered, so they can't get anything going, is is where my mind went when I saw that. I still think there's fear of Palpatine as well, where this is Palpatine's plan, and they're supposed to lay low mm -hmm. while something's happen happening in the unknown region, so... I think there is that very real fear of, hey, if Palpatine's not available, Invader's not here, what's next? Because we know that the Sith always have something going on. Yeah, what's in it for me? I thought that's what you were going to say. But yeah, I think that's, I think they're very, especially the ones that are raiding the hyperspace lanes and, and you know, 
if not getting fat in physical prowess, they are getting fat in resources. So they're just sitting back there. They're kind of like me playing StarCraft. I don't really like go out and attack people. I just bunker and gather resources. <laughs> Sorry, that, this is splintering off. Um, that, that'd be me. I'd be one of those guys going, no, you, you're good, man. I'm good. I'm just going to sit here and, and mine a bunch of Beskar. I, I have a fun one to throw out here. Go for it. And it's not quite physical challenge, but it, it's it's almost more of a challenge than a question. Um, I need each of you to write this down first. Pencil in hand. All right. I'm on it. So the word code. T. K. Two. Seven. Five. Five. That's a good bingo, so, folks. Clear your cards, please. Clear your cards. That is what, as as Elia Kane was being scanned by the probe droid, which was so cool to see how that worked, yeah. and just such a cool shot and everything associated with that. That was the code number she gave. As I rewatched this, Tommy Two Tone went into my head with eight six seven five three zero nine, the eighties song. Yeah, I want to see which one of you can better do the chorus of the song using code TK two seven five five instead of eight six seven five three zero nine. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Are you asking us to sing? Is that what oh, you're yeah, doing you're here? Singing. Okay, I um, don't have that many listeners to begin with, Ross. I don't know necessarily if I want to take that kind of a gamble on this. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Jenny, Jenny. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> oh, you're 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 queuing up perfectly, Greg. TK two seven five. See that it ends with that. It doesn't. I, I need another number. But code. So code where it says there, yeah. code. Yeah. In the song, that's where he says call. So call eight six seven five three zero nine. Is this how you get on Fanta tracks? By the way, is you, does Demark make, make you do this? <laughs> He's a music fan. Code TK2755. There you go. <clears throat> Record it and send it over to you. You, you got to put a little, a, a, a just an extra note in there instead of uh, word. So it's code TK275. I wanted to say 505, but then I put an O in there. So it's just got to be a code TK2755. There you go. Oh, my gosh. Beautiful. I'll be back next week, folks. Dan's not going to listen to us ever again at this point. I think yeah. I think I've lost. I think I've lost uh, Dan's ear as, as a listener. Uh, I'll never be back on the show, but it was worth it for nope. that question. It totally was. It's all right. I've still got my Patreon funds out there, but no, nah, I'm not getting. I'm not getting on CWK after this. <clears throat> Thanks, Ross. <laughs> Get my celebration panel going. That's what I'm going to lead with. I'm going to drag you up there, Ross. You, I'm going to I'm going to get on the podcast stage as a celebration. I'm going to drag your butt up there. And I'm going to make you sing this code. That's what we're going to do. Maybe I'll be in my orange pilot disco leader suit. There you at go. At that point. Oh yeah, I like it. Who wants to go um, as the uh, as the Narcina Five guy? I think that's the. Uh, you know, I think the the. Was it the ice cream bucket guys? Uh, Will was it Will Row Hood? I think they've got. Uh, I think they've got new new uh, new competition on the block with the Narquina Five Boys. Yeah, and those those chants from Celebration were so great. 
with the group and you know you know loy up there getting excited about it and or getting excited about it so you know, the real life actors being up there but man it's so cool when it just transcends that way and makes that mark and that's why all of this is special and that's why we can have fun conversations about it like we care about it so much but like it's so fun and it is our community and that's why i can't wait to hear back from some of the folks who you know like who are recovering this week but went to celebrations because they've got stories like we have stories i mean you know it's you know it's a year ago but you know i'm i can see it in my head i can see I can see Tom sitting with me at the airport. I can see you coming with that fresh ink, you know, you know, on the, on, from the K2 tat, um, you know, everything from the, the podcast, you know, meet up to, you know, waiting in line to get some food. And, and, you know, Dan's got that crazy jacket on and all this stuff. And we're passing each other in the hallway and doing all this stuff. So, you know, that's, that's the, the thing, but I, you know, as you guys were talking on the Colby cast and thank you very much for the shout. It was very nice. You know, just, you know, it's funny, Tom saying like, oh, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't. And all of a sudden, like, you know, two days later, the family's checking in going, "Hun, you want to get off the couch? And he's like, no, it's another panel. Uh, no, that's not exactly how it went at all. But that's, you know, we'll be talking about this for, for days. You want some food? No. Greg, Greg Cass, you, you aren't here. <laughs> You're with the Ugnots. And look what we've done. We've really Greg derailed McLaughlin this. here. We're going to bring the Ugnax just to repair this whole thing. <laughs> I have spoken. Tom, we've done it again. We've done it again. You know. All right. We're, we're pros at this. Where else do you want to meet up, Ross? <laughs> we're the, the spies. Crew. <laughs> you didn't know that we were planning. You, you guys were the spies. Dang it. You got Misty Ro- Rosas hey. back there somewhere? I do, I do have another question, if I may. Go for it. I might have asked too many questions, but uh, if you're uh, listening, if you're still to, listening to this podcast at this point, it's it's all it's all gravy from this point on. You're you're, uh, you're a real trooper. <laughs> all right, so uh, there was this really really inspiring moment. It's after um, Bo-Katan, you know, tells tells the truth about the story. You know, I, I did surrender. I did get Moff Gideon. I did make a deal with him. I did give him that to save thinking he, he would hold up to his end of the day. So she, you know, imagine the crush. If, if these, if these refugees or survivors on Mandalore who say that they were waiting for their, you know, their leader to return, imagine the, the letdown, imagine the letdown of that news. And really for all of them, imagine the letdown of that news. The only one that doesn't seem to be let down is Din Djarin because he comes out. She's standing, looking out amongst the ruins of Mandalore and, and they have this nice conversation. And uh, she says, she says something along the lines of the blade is all I have to unify the people. Cause I'm, I'm selfish. I'm, I'm nothing anymore. And the only thing I have to unite these people is a blade and Tincharn, sometimes he's just so honestly blunt and spot on. He says, again, just paraphrasing, the blade means nothing to me and my people, which I was like, I was like, dang, he's right. They could care less about that blade other than it's a powerful weapon, but they could care less. 
And then he goes on, uh, oh, and, and he, well, he continues with that. And he says, nor does station or bloodline, which also is super powerful. I never really thought about that. Bo-Katan's people are like, aren't they planetary Mandalorians? Whereas the, the armorers faction, those are like adopted um mandalorians where we bring you into the fold you we we quote baptize you in the living waters you make a pledge and now you are mandalorian i mean that's how grogu becomes um you know is a mandalorian well and, and i so, think there's a there's a mixed group there because they're i mean paz vizla's in there and vizla's one i mean but some of them are right, from his, Concordia his great, too, great grandfather so. whoever created the dark saber so yeah. but they're more open to bringing in right outsiders and it isn't you know like bloodline when she, when the word bloodline was used like i got chills just because of the claudia gray book um, and how even that ties in mm -hmm. to people not liking the new republic and all the issues that it was facing and just some of the like the storytelling in that is just heartbreaking in such a terrific way so even factoring bloodline into here, I I just thought was brilliant. Yeah. So then Jaren says, those those things mean nothing to us. Honor, loyalty, character. That's what matters to him. To him. And I'm guessing when he says that, he means his people, the 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 rest of the clan that he's coming from. And he says, and he does, he does. Uh, Bo-Katan's clan's mo motion of putting his hand over his chest and he says, I will serve you because she has, she has proven that. So my question is, does that negate, the, going forward, will that negate the symbolic power of the Darksaber? I think it'll bring the dark saber in context because I still think, you know, we have we have yet to prove that the Mandalorians can really unite and come behind something and you know, I think they'll find that you know, just like with the loophole of of Bo-Katan getting the dark saber, I'm like at the end of the day, Den's right. It is it, it, that's what's going to really unite folks and it makes me more worried about Bo-Katan because I'm like I don't have a good feeling that she escapes um, this season, and I do think that this falls eventually on Din. Um, just I, I don't know why I just got that I got that sinking feeling that that she's gonna you know I don't know how it's gonna happen, but you know I think it's just gonna take something finally, and maybe that's when you know uh, as Greg was talking about you know Bo-Katan's song, right? You know Din says your song's not yet written. Boy, I really hope it's not written next week. But, you know, I think that may maybe her her legacy is that she shows that they can work together and they have to pick it up. So maybe maybe she gets that awesome send off. But it eventually as my daughter's playing Overwatch in the background um, that that, you know, that brings it all together. Maybe that's the tipping point. Um, I sure hope so. But um, I mean, not to the expense of her, but if that's, you know. But I think that when they talk about honor and things like that, you know, sacrifice, I think you probably threw that in there as well. I don't know if that's a direct answer to it, Tom, but. Well, and building off of that, so 
here's just another crazy theory. Is the armor setting up to be able to either take away the dark saber from Bo Katan or have Dinjarin do it? I th- I have a note that could she be the other spy? <gasps> Is she setting up Bo Katan as the lead on all these things? And all of a sudden she's just like, oh, you saw the mythosaur. You can lead us there, but I still I want to lead when it when it boils down to it. If you have if you have the dark saber and people are following you, you have to go up front. I'm gonna go so I can watch everything that's going on, but you're in the lead of everything. So again, I a question that I had that I don't think we need to get into here, who could potentially have the bigger double cross? Mm. Moth Gideon or the armorer? Mm. Wow. Hmm. Let me let me give my thoughts on my question, and then we need to go back to that because wow, that's that's heavy. That's heavy. I got I got to do some lifting to get that one. Uh, glad I'm doing my push-ups. Okay, so my thought my thought on the dark saber goes to what I believe is potentially a foreshadowing that happens at the very end of this episode with Paz Vizsla. Paz Vizsla sacrifices himself. Um, for the greater good of both clans, doesn't doesn't question it. Knows what he has to do. Knows he's probably the only one that can that can hold them off long enough to allow them to make some sort of an escape. I truly believe that's that. And, and to go off what you're saying, Greg, about you know where is Bo-Katan, When when will Bo-Katan's song be written? That that was that was a really important line that I left off of my that out of that conversation and i for some reason i just feel like pez vizsla's sacrifice is foreshadowing something regarding mm-hmm. not even necessarily saying death it could be just a sacrifice of leadership because you're right the armor has been sitting in the background she she's taken sort of the classic napoleon era general stance she stands at the back of the army she lets them do all the fight you know she if she has to come in and, and kick some butt she does that but really she lets the soldiers do the soldiering and she stands back now whether that's for betrayal of something larger or whether it's just how she knows how to survive i don't know but and so i, I and so i guess to wrap that around to the saber is i really don't think the saber i think once the sacrifice happens and again bokatan's death bokatan's sacrifice of leadership i don't know what other there can be a dozen different sacrifices that could happen here i think that's where the the influence of the saber ends and it will be up to whoever is next to really bring it all together because then the old the old leadership you know he says the blood the station means nothing to us so once that is gone, whoever comes next has the ability to bring the Mandalorian uh, culture back together. I don't know. Again, that's just that's just wild thinking. We've got seven days to hopefully get some answers <laughs> on that. But Ross, what was your what was your question again? I, I I had to divert attention because I couldn't wrap my brain around that stuff yet. Well, and it was cheating because it was a question within the within the answer for your question, but who could potentially be the biggest double cross Moth yeah. Gideon 
or the armorer. If it goes in that direction, like, you know what? Maybe the way is the way, but she changed gears really quickly. So that's where I'm just like, okay, so many things lined up so easily in this. And it was basically, oh, be our leader. You know, it does seem like she's been holding back. It does seem like she's been holding back and there's a card left to play. Um, you know, could she just be as devout as she is and she goes along or does she have an ulterior motive or an agenda or something like that? Um, I hope for Emily Swallow's sake, no, because it may cost you a couple of autos, uh, you know, coming up, but everyone loves a villain in star Wars too, though. That's true. That's true. Uh, <sighs> tell me what, so tell me what, remind me what the double cross of Moff Gideon is. He's lying to the okay. Shadow Council yeah. about everything. Yeah. That's what I thought you meant. Okay, so hmm. again, I'm, I'm raising my hand. I'm, I'm putting my hand over my heart now and saying the Pollyanna Cubs fan in me has always felt the armorer is the one who knows. This is the way. And so I guess I just always felt that she – she sees something in Bo-Katan. I mean, obviously, th- there's something in Bo-Katan and her, her family line, but she sees something there, and w- which is why she gives gives into it so quickly. And I don't think gives into it is, is the wrong terminology, but you know what I mean. She goes along. No, that's that's not it either. She agrees. She agrees to this, uh, this relationship and allowing her, because at the end of the day, the 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 clan that that is with you know the helmet clan is what is the name of their clan i started children of the watch so yeah the children of the watch they're going to be with her regardless and there's a part of me that thinks you know maybe she's just sick and tired of running and maybe she's sick and tired of building a new stinking forge every time (laughs) they have to move someplace and so she's like this is my opportunity. Bo-Katan has the ability to get the this this stolen fleet. Bo-Katan has all of these things. She has a saber. She's got all this stuff. And so she's like, you know what? What do we have to lose? And so I don't know. That again, that's that's my naive sort of hopeful way of believing that we we won't have a double cross. But man, you make a compelling argument for me to to watch my back. Well, and I hope it doesn't happen either. Like I love the armor as the armor, but that's what I love that Greg's show pulls out of me is oh, what additional questions can I can I think of as I go through this? And during that second one, she was also the armor was also very quick to make that new pauldron for her shoulder. And there was technical stuff that they focused on the shot of, you know, there's technology going into this as Mm -hmm. well. As I'm seeing part of one of her shots focused very much on it in this episode. And I'm just like, oh, could that cripple her somehow at some point? Oh. See, this is why I got to have Cubs fans and not Sox fans on this show, because it could take a dark turn real fast if I had a bunch of White Sox fans on this one. Uh, no, much love to uh, 
A lot of them are on my fantasy team, by the way. Um, but no, I, I like having Tom and the Eternal. I, I like Tom's take on the armor. That's that's the uh, that's the armor I want. Uh, the armor that we could get, unfortunately, yeah, it could get it could get ugly fast. I mean, so let's let's look at where people are right now at the at the conclusion of this. Who who? <laughs> what's the name of Bo-Katan's ship? It's it's the mean names there's a name for her ship uh, they referred to it several times anyway mm-mm. who's piloting that ship right now the who is symbolically taking the place of bo katan like oh my uh, ross all the pieces are coming together i want the last piece not to fit i want the last piece not to fit oh this oh it's the it's gauntlet fun to, by the it's way it's fun to think about the oh my! Oh my! Okay. Now I'm looking for more questions. <laughs> I don't want to think about this anymore. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's talk about Grogu. Hey, I've okay. got. Can I? Go ahead, Greg. Oh, I was just gonna say no. What? Um. I did have one more that I wanted to get to, and because this was kind of, I'm scratching my head on this. What does Gideon want with Mando? Why was it? Why did? Why bother keeping him alive? What possible use? He's ISB. Like they, they were able to get any information out of anyone. Like, and that is, that's one of the to me one of the best parts about the books is learning about the ISB agents and the resources that they have and the approach they take to getting any piece of information they can. So Mando explained or Din explained to Grogu that, Hey, the value we have is navigating the galaxy. He has mm. a lot of knowledge about navigating the galaxy and Moff Gideon as an ISB mm. officer leader, he's going to know better than anyone how to utilize that and how to get it out of him. Mm, good point. He also could have, like, he also might believe that he has some uh, New Republic intel because of um, Cara Dune and that relationship. Yeah. And you know, he does have he does have crossings with with New Republic, so maybe there's something there. I feel it may, it, all of that, all of that, and then included on that is quite frankly, who's the only person in these three seasons to have bested. Gideon Hmm. it's Mando in the hallway and he bested him so I feel like it's a power thing too you know he wants to capture and keep him alive to show him that you might have gotten me in that battle but I'm going to win the war so it's it's, I feel it's pride is why he he wants him and why that's that's the whole thing I mean it fits it fits the the bill of most of the Imperials that we've seen all along I mean, should we evacuate the Death Star? Evacuate in our moment of, of de- you know, it, it was pride. You know, um, Krennic, Krennic, we, you know, battled that, went to Vader to, to like argue that this is mine out of pride. And so I feel like it fits that. But certainly, certainly there's something because they do say take him to the interrogation room. So, yeah, we're going to get he's going to try to get some information. But I think deep down, he just he. He just 
wants him to to show him that I'm better than you. He wants he wants to preen. He wants to go. Around. He needs an audience. This sets up for Moff Gideon to be a James Bond bad guy, saying. Here was my plan all along. I did X, <laughs> Y, and Z. Here's this ridiculous way that you're going to die, and there's no way you're going to escape, and I'm going to go now. Mm. Isn't that interesting that we've had... So Moff Gideon now has both been able to capture Grogu and then turns now and has Din Djarin. I don't know what that means. It just It's an interesting... It's an interesting thing that just popped into my head. <laughs> Sorry. And it might be I the worst. That, I, it might be the thing he regrets the most. He may have just gotten <laughs> Grogu mad and you wouldn't like it when Grogu gets mad. He, he may get programmed into IG-12. You have something that I, I want. want. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And now it's yes, Grogu yes. talking. No, 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 no. Ross, I, th- I think we got time for one more question. I think he, I think you still had something on your sheet. I have a fun one here, and this came from Monica, so she sent in the hollow. Ooh, I'm on. What is the next button? What is the next button that will be added to IG12 for Grogu? So we have yes and no so far. Hungry. <laughs> food, something food related, food related came to my mind. Um, again, I, I just mentioned, you know, you, I, you have something I want could be a really good one. Um, what will Grogu add to IG's text? Mm. I mean, could it be a name? Could it be something even, I mean, he's already, I believe he's, I believe he's already attempted. This is the way in his own voice. Um, I don't know that, that, that moment may have passed. So I don't know that that would be as important, but I wonder if Din Djarin, like his name would be something that would be significant to him to put into that, to be able to express that. I don't know. That's a great question. Cause yes and no is only going to go so far. I, you know, you're onto something, though, Tom. I think you could see potentially in season four them adding a full register that could, he could, you know, you're getting Taika Watiti's voice in it, but that could be a way for him to communicate until, of course, he gets old enough. So instead of just the, the cooing and things like that, you could get. And wouldn't that be interesting that if Grogu could get more words and communicate, this could be the vessel. I mean, shoot, you've got the action figure already. You know, someone's sculpting the action figure right now for IG-12. Um, and good Lord, all the memes that are going to come from that. But um, I, I think you're on it. I think they're going to be more more words and you'll get full sent- maybe full sentences or, or chunks of sentences or something like that. It could be quite mm-hmm. interesting. What did you guys think? Did did you or Monica have any ideas? Uh, like her first thing was snack, snack, and it it could also be like the little, the little chime bell, you know, saying, "Hey, I need a snack now." So like he could hit it and the chime would play. <laughs> but I I love where you took it, Tom. Where it was mm. definitely more. 
okay, what what could be fun to add? But like, imagine him having that soundboard in front of him mm-hmm. and being able to utilize that, you know, not knowing how long it's going to be before he can talk. Can I also mention that as a father of children, that Din Djarin's patience for the constant walking through the street, the constant, no, 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 no. I, I as the father, wanted to be like, Gugu, stop it, stop it. Well, and then the constant patience. yeses like, was hilarious. Yeah. And, and for those of you out there who are parents and those not, this is, this is how this all boils down, right? This is clearly something that you need to correct the behavior with, and don't, don't at me. Uh, but it's generally, it's two days later, and the kid will have done something fairly minor is when the parent really snaps. And, you know, that's later on with what, that, that's, what happen, that, that's what the child will talk to the therapist about. Um, they'll, 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 they won't understand why they'll be like, all of a sudden I was just doing this thing. I was playing with this Frisbee and all of a sudden mom and dad snapped. It was what you did two or three days before that they gritted their teeth and they went through this. Anyway, I'm not writing any books on parenting any, anytime yet, anytime soon, but I guarantee you that's what, you know, off camera, you know, anyway, all right, I'm going to get, I'm going to get in trouble if I go there for much further. Hey, you know what? Uh, Greg did have one last thing. I, uh, he had a bunch of things. I wouldn't say one last thing. Um, and it was, it was, I, I read this and it's sad when I read this. Cause it's like, Ooh, um, he has, should this season have been the song of Bo-Katan? And you're like, Ooh, we still have an, another episode to figure that out. Yes. Mm, good point. You know, is it her? So, so much of it has been her story, but has she been a puppy, a puppet, not a puppy, a puppet <laughs> during this? <laughs> Um, you've been on the thread and, too and long. That goes back today. to the, that goes back <laughs> to the armor again. That go, the duality of every title they've had throughout mm-hmm. the show. I mean, I mean, really, I'm thinking, and I think that's what you were alluding to, Ross. Is really chapter 24. That could be the title of that chapter. A song of Bo-Katan. Oh. I mean, they're usually very vague. But how powerful would it be if it was a very specific? It could just be very the song title. You could just call it the song. Yeah, right. And you're like, Ooh. oh, and there could be so many meanings to that. But obviously, the big one is yeah, Bo-Katan. Oh. makes me want to skip through the the t- title. I'm like, I don't want to see the title. <laughs> anyway, all righty. Uh, we should probably bring this to a close. But I am curious before we kind of do our our. Uh, our signs off. I am kind of curious, Tom, and I'm going to start with you. What is your Pringles can rating for the spies? Wow. So my criteria for this is always the episode itself. I'm not looking at last week. I'm not looking at what might be next week. This episode this week, I give it so 10 is best. 10 is One best. is worst. Yes. I give it a 10. Woo. And Pringles wow. cans. I thought it was marvelous, masterful. All the things that we've, t- all the conversations we've had about it tonight, just make me, make me appreciate it even more. And I can't wait to go back and watch it again in the context of our conversation. So both to you, to both of you and to Greg Cass for your questions. Thank you for this conversation to make me really think about 
this uh, episode, The Spies. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on. Like I said, um, it's great when you can pull su from such great resources as we have. And uh, it's really fun, especially when sometimes you get a mix and match or you just take Colby's great conversation and you just do a part two. <laughs> Please. All right. My grade. Yes. I was an I'm an 8.5 until we hit the final minute of the show. And it goes up to a nine because the Praetorian guards come in mm. and are so efficient and lethal. We need to talk about them. And then just the, you know, the death, the, the heroic end to Paz Vizsla. And then it just goes, you know, here's the end. Here, here's, here's Rick's name up on there. So leave it to a Dodger fan to end us and to end the episode that way. <laughs> I'm just like, Oh my God, what just happened? Um, but what a, what a brilliant way. And it just, again, it, it gives that tie into the, you know, the, the most recent trilogy and, and just made me think like, wow, everything that Ray and Kylo did against that large group of Praetorian guards just becomes that much more valuable because of that minute that we saw at the end there. So I'm going to give it a nine based off of that. That's fair. I, I felt so bad for my friend, Joe Bilek. Uh He does the heavy Mando cosplay that you'll see if you, if you come out to Juliet star Wars day, he'll be there. Uh, but his pat or his heavy Mando, cause he can't technically call it Paz Vizsla cause he's made some alterations is so good. And, you know, in talking to him in the C2E2 episode I did, you know, he was, I was asking him, like, man, you got to be happy. You got a lot of screen time. And he's like, man, normally costumes that I'm in don't get that kind of play. And I was like, I felt so bad. I'm like, oh, no, Joe. Um, but you couldn't have a better death than that. And I, you know, they keep bringing in these little seeds of, you know, of the sequel trilogy. And I'm like, I'm down. And I really liked how the Praetorian Guard looked. I liked the yeah. fact that they were a resource that you could move around going, hey, can we have one of those? Hey, are you bar can we can mm -hmm. we uh, reserve one for this weekend? Um, you know, I'm like, how how's it, what's the sign up sheet for the Praetorian Guard? Uh, you yeah. know, it's like you got like, hey, I got next, and you know, this little scratch piece of paper, and it's some, and then you're like, no, one of the other guys will like scratch out the other person's name and put their name on top of it, you know, just like you did in college when you're trying to reserve a lab or something. Um, I have no idea where that came from, but um, that, there you go. <laughs> That's a throwback. Um, that's a throwback. <laughs> um, I I would say for my own rating, I'd say a 12, but I would be remiss in saying that. But I just wanted to bring up the fact that the Rays just beat the Red Sox again. And so we're now 12 and 0. Uh, and by the time you hear this, I'm sure the streak will be done. Uh, but I would uh, say the Rays, break the record. The Rays awesome. have started off 12 and 0 and uh, Milwaukee coming after you 13 and 0 uh, at any rate. But wow. Yeah, it was a close one. At any rate, but my rating to get back to this with for the four fans who are still listening and Colby, um, I would I would say I'm up there with with a nine. I think that you know when you get these penultimate ones, they tend to be really good. And then you know I I think I think next one has got a lot into it. So I think I'm I'm going to reserve a little bit, holding back a little bit for next week, um, just because I'm just like ah you know. But man. It was it was a nine. There was not much that was gonna not make it a ten, but it was very very good, and uh, it was a it was a fun one to get a chance to talk with you folks about. Um, like I said, it was really great. Uh, you know, Greg sent me his 
questions and things like that. And like, is it just, just with the way the rest of the week is really going to be in super busy. So amazingly, we've gotten through all this bad batch and we've gotten through nearly all this Mando and it's going to be very weird. Now we have um, coming up, there will be some wrap up episodes after this, you know, we are going to do a bad batch kind of a season wrap. We'll probably do a Mando season wrap. I may be pulling people into this. I know that we're doing a celebration. We're trying to do a, a celebration zoom uh, to kind of get that. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm putting that out. Um, so there's a lot of discussion left to go on this, but uh, it's been a real treat to get to get through all this. And it's also fun knowing that there's still surprises and there's still stories and songs to be sung on this. And it's always fun when you get new Star Wars. And we've and as we saw with Celebration, a lot of new Star Wars is coming up. You know, we got another whole season of the batch. Yay! How do how do I not say that? You know, this is the show. This is the this is the uh, the date that brought us into the show that we have. You know, that this insert series podcast. So real thrill with that. We've got the Acolyte Skeleton Crew. We got another season of Visions. We got Ahsoka. We got some movies. A lot of stuff. At anyway, but I'm going to leave that for the celebration talk. However, comma, I do want to give some shout outs, uh, Tom. You folks have been doing a lot of work on Teachers in the Dungeon. I, you know, in seeing you in person up at up at Lake Geneva at GaryCon, I love the fact this is such a passion project for you and Dan Ream, who've been doing such a great job. I love the session that we got to be, I got to be in on, and seeing that interplay between you. I love the work you guys did. I like the exhaustion. I love, I love it when you're listening to like the daily recaps and you guys are just exhausted. Everyone, yeah, all right. What'd you do today? And all this, because um, you just know that you know, just like anything else, you're gonna go until you drop. Uh, but that's what makes it fun. Where where can they find it and listen to this stuff? This is great stuff, Tom. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate the comments. Um, so, uh, Teachers in the Dungeon, we uh, so it, it, even if you don't like Dungeons and Dragons, but you just have an appreciation of of the craft, of the creation, of the story that a game like that creates, we'd love for you to check out the show. We are you can find us on um, all podcast catchers. Uh, you know, I, uh, I what is the Apple one? Spoken like a true Android user. Yep. Yes, that's right. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, all all of them. And we are Teachers in the Dungeon. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook as Teachers in the Dungeon. On Twitter, we are at Dungeon Teachers. And uh, we just we just love to have a good time talking about our adventures, talking about uh, our interpretation or thoughts about different types of uh, Dungeons and Dragons and RPG rules. We talk about our uh, our game club and, you know, teaching Dungeons and Dragons and the skills and all that that kids gain from it, as well as interviewing um, the creators, not Dungeons and Dragons necessarily, the Wizards of the Coast creators, but a lot of the third party creators uh, who are making the the adventures on the side, the artists, the, um, uh, you know, yeah, all those people that are involved from the outside. Yes, I see the smugglers, coffee, you know, just the people that add to the community of that TTRPG gaming. So again, Greg, thanks for the opportunity to talk about that. <sighs> it's been fun. It was great to have you on. And yeah, you, you can get those smugglers coffee folks on any time that I, I finally had a chance to break out that coffee root beer that for the horde, that was pretty dope. So I'm like, now I've got to figure out where can I get that? Please uh, smugglers coffee, reach out and f- tell me where I can find that. Cause it's really, really good. It's not good for me, but it's really, really good soda. 
um, at any rate. But yeah, no, you guys have been uh, all the best to you and keep up the good work. I know that you probably the next thing is going to be your camps and then Gen Con. It's not going to be that far away. So, and then uh, what? Indie Comic is Indie Comic Con coming gone, guys? It's in May. Oh man. Yeah, it's still coming. Still coming. Anyway. Well, you you are everywhere, Ross. You decided that uh, all that writing, all that stuff, and did I even hear that you were like a secret member of another cabal, podcast, Star Wars podcast cabal somewhere? Was it the Star Wars sessions that you were you're, you're part of? So I, I'm, I'm losing track of where you are. So give me the rundown, man. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the, the sessions guys do a, do a great job. Uh, and they were on the ground in London. So the, the, super fun to get their feedback. Obviously, great to hear uh, everything that Dan Z was doing when he was in London and his updates. Um, yeah, I'm a little bit all over the place. I, I, I like to pollinate across the area, you know, like <laughs> how, how do you bring all these factions together? So I'm, I am the bumblebee from the no rain video by blind melon. Okay. And I'm just going group to group <laughs> trying, trying to connect everyone there. So that that's the main goal, but you can find me on Twitter at Ross Oliban. Um, and the podcast is Album Cockpit Podcast. And that's only on Spotify because you actually hear the music. Um, so that plays on there. And it's on Instagram. Uh, just minor updates there right now. So I'm still relatively soft launch. Uh, 10th episode will be out in a week or two. Nice. Um, and then I'm excited that I, I know you guys already were going to have Tom doing Scarecrow by John Cougar Mellencamp or John Ooh. Mellencamp at this point. Um, and then Greg, I'm super excited because we're both such big Bob Mould fans to talk Sugar Copper Blue with you coming up. So again, this will keep riding. I try to put out an episode a week and it is heartfelt stories about an album that someone loves or was impactful to them. And I love Spotify for uh, allowing that to be so, you know, because I know that there's a lot of stories about that. I would have thought Tom would have done August and everything after. I, I would have I would have lost a little money on that. But uh, the John Cougar Mellencamp Scarecrow, I, 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 that's a that's a good cut. Uh, that'll that'll be a fun one uh, to listen to. And it, it's fun. Like I said, it's more of a, it's a conversation. It's kind of built around music and uh, and just kind of like like two friends just having dinner and just going over and just appreciating and loving the music and getting the stories from it. Very organic. Love it. And um, well, I thought it was such a surprise when I, when I listened to your first episode and the full song we're listening, you're talking about mm-hmm. it and you get the full song. And that just, that just brought joy to my heart. So great work Ross. It's awesome. No, thank you both. Excellent. And uh, now normally you'd find my co-host, uh, you know, Greg Cass on Instagram at Hive at Ion Cannon, as well as um, IonCannon.com. That's his URL that can lead. He's got a Substack going now, and he's also, I think, still doing the Through the Looking Glass podcast. Uh, that's that Wheel of Time podcast where him him and his uh, co-host, they are going through the uh, series. Um, that link is always going to be in the uh, show notes, so you can check it out there. All righty. If you have a question for us, other than how did we make it this far uh, and still keep the podcast, as my wife is kind of like chiming in, so I'll be having to take off soon. However, you can find me on the socials at Rebel Base Card on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. 
Hive and whatnot. Um, and you can also find me when I, I got some new stuff I need to add to Substack as well. Um, but we want to hear from you. What were your questions for the spies? And I'll be curious uh, to get your comments. Uh, we love hearing from you. I love when people chime in. Alrighty, I'd love this to have this go longer. I can't because uh, I'm already. I need to pick up the wife. Uh, but we have to. Re- we have to do some real work, and that's what we listen to other podcasts for. So we're going to sign off for now. We're going to get. We're going to be back next week for the series finale. We got a special guest lined up already that should uh, accompany Greg Cass and I. It should be fun. I'm real excited about this one. So if it works, uh, it's going to be a blast. But otherwise. So for Ross, Tom, and I, we are going to return you to your podcast playlist already in progress. This podcast is not affiliated in any way with Tops, Disney, or Star Wars, nor is it endorsed by Disney or Lucasfilm, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders here in the U.S. and abroad. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com.